I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. We also believe in the Holy Spirit here this morning. We believe that, uh, Father, we believe that your Spirit is present today at work in the world accomplishing all of your purpose and all of your plan. So we are asking now for the help of your uh, Spirit uh, to do what we cannot do. Lord, uh, you are our strength, you are our rock, you are our hope, you are everything. Lord, to us. And we need you now, in this moment, as we seek to worship you. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, if you are uh, new with us uh, for the first time, we're in a, a series uh, called Real Faith. Uh, it's a study. We're, we're looking at, at the Apostles' Creed. We're using it as a basis uh, for the topics uh, that we're looking at uh, uh, throughout this uh, series. And the, the, the Creed is a summary of the Bible's teaching. It's like um, concentrated uh, soap. Right, where you just need a little tiny bit of it, and you add a lot of uh, water to it, um, and it goes a long way. So it's, it's like the Bible kind of boiled down uh, to be helpful for us. It's been around since 300 A.D. I'm not going to do the math for you, but that's a long time. That was a, that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's been around for a minute. Needless to say, we live in a world uh, of passing trends. Right, where uh, we live in a culture where the word trending, you guys know what that means. Uh, so you guys want to know what's trending right now? I'm sure you, you guys have heard, heard some things, but um, uh, I, I looked at some things uh, this past week on the internet. Uh, the um, Associated Press News, this was number one on their list. Adidas says that they may write off the remaining 321 million worth of Yeezy shoes left unsold after it cuts ties uh, with the rapper Kanye West. So that's trending. Number one on Twitter was Grand Theft Auto 6, a video game uh, that we probably shouldn't be playing. But that was number six. Uh, that, was, that was number one on Twitter. Uh, number eight on Google Trends was the Pat McAfee show, uh, Go Mountaineers. But uh, he, had, he had the New York Jets uh, quarterback uh, Aaron Rodgers on there. And he was talking about when he was going to uh, come back and play. I don't know if he's playing this Sunday or not, Tours Achilles. Uh, um, but he said, I'll be uh, back in a few fortnights, which I thought was pretty funny. But that's what's trending, right? So um, all these things, right, all these things are going to be forgotten. They're, they're short-lived and passing trends, right? The Apostles' Creed has stood the test of time. It's been around for 1,700 years. Why is that? Why has this, this confession of faith uh, been around uh, for so long? 
Let me, let me mention a couple things this morning. The first is, it, it, is the facts of Christ. It points us to the facts uh, of Christ. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13 this morning uh, uh, to, to help us think about this. Uh, Paul is preaching a sermon here uh, to some people in a, in a city called Antioch. Here's what he says. He's talking about Jesus. He says, though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him killed. The context here is the Apostle Paul was a, was a man that hated Christians. His life was converted to Jesus when he saw the resurrected Jesus and he went out being the, the greatest Christian missionary uh, in the history of the church. And this is when he's coming back from his first uh, missionary journey. He stopped off in a, little, uh, in a city called Antioch and he's preaching to his Jewish people. Right? Uh, uh, and, he, and he mentions Pilate. He tells a story about how the Jewish people and their leaders handed Jesus over to be crucified uh, by Pontius Pilate. Now the creed says that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor from 26 AD to 36 AD in Judea. He oversaw the trial of Jesus and handed Jesus over to uh, Jewish people to be um, permitted, he permitted his crucifixion. Do you guys know the name uh, uh, Valerius Gratus or Marcellus? Any of those names ring a bell? Valerius Gratus or Marcellus? I didn't think so. Right? They are the Roman governors that came right before Pilate and also right after that. So why do you think you know the name Pontius Pilate then? Why has most of us in this room heard of the name Pontius Pilate? That name has continued to be passed down through history. The reason you don't know those people and you do know Pilate is because of Jesus. Right? It's because Jesus' trial and His crucifixion are a fact of history. This is why you know it. Right? You guys want to know one of the things that makes Christianity unique from all other spiritualities, religions, philosophies in the world? Here's what it is. Facts. Why is Jesus being handed over by Pontius Pilate mentioned in all four of the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are all the early biographies of Jesus' life, of his disciples. They all mention this story about uh, Pilate. And here's why. God has set it up so that you can fact-check the history of Christianity. Other religions, you can't really do that with. Other religions and other spiritualities don't really care about that. They don't really care about the, their uh, message or their... Uh, teaching being grounded in history, but, but Christianity claims to be fact. It claims to be factual. Modern society isn't a bastion of factual data. We don't really care about facts these days. We don't care about the facts of, of what happened or, or history and science. We care about what we want, right? So we, we flip it around. Uh, we, we interpret the facts uh, to get what we want. We're not talking about feelings this morning. We're not talking about fairy tales. We're talking about facts. You know, people used to debate whether Pilate was real or not. You guys know that. Uh, even though the Bible has been saying that Pontius Pilate, this guy, uh, was a real person uh, for over 2,000 years. In 1961, archaeologists were excavating an amphitheater in uh, Judea, and they found this. 
They found this uh, piece of limestone right here. And here's what it says on it. Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea, has dedicated this. So Pilate's name is, is inscribed on this huge uh, chunk of limestone. And it was, a, it was an amphitheater dedicated to the Roman emperor uh, Tiberius. The historian and senator Tacitus, who was not a Christian, the Roman senator Tacitus mentions Pilate. That's what he said in AD 64. You see it right here? Christus, which is Jesus, from whom uh, the name had its origin, from whom Christianity has its origin, suffered the extreme penalty. Jesus suffered the extreme penalty, which is crucifixion during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, one of our governors, Pontius Pilate. And that was written during the time of the, uh, the apostles, during the time of the apostle Paul. The creed, by naming Pilate, points to what Christians believe. And here is what we believe. We believe in the God who created time. We believe in the God who created space in this world that we live in and who's Lord over all of history. This is what, this is what we believe. History is the theater in which God's plan God's purposes are being projected just like this is being projected on the screen. This is what history is. God is projecting His plan so that all, everybody might step back and applaud Him. Might take delight in Him. Might see uh, His glory. Which all of this means that history really matters. It matters. Suffered under Pontius Pilate brings us face to face with facts. Brings us face to face with real history. Facts, we know, facts don't interpret themselves, do they? One person can see one thing in some facts. Another person comes along and they have a totally uh, different uh, interpretation of the facts. We see this all the time in, in news and, and, and whatever else. Um, there is nobody who doesn't come to facts or data without bias, right? without a, a, a perspective. You can have a good perspective or you can have a bad perspective, right? You can have a good bias or a bad one. Like, if you have a bias toward facts over feelings, that's probably pretty good right there. But uh, our culture has a bias towards feelings over facts, and that leads to a lot of uh, uh, crazy uh, interpretations. People can want something to be true for whatever reason. Like, I, I just, people just want things to be true no, no matter what. People can want something not to be true that is utterly insane. I'll give you an example. You guys ready for this? Are you guys familiar with reptilian conspiracy theory? Lord help us all. Yes. I know Mel doesn't believe in it, but there are people in our community who claim that shape-shifting reptile aliens control Earth by taking on human form and gaining political power. I have met these people. Bro, you got to check this YouTube video out. Watch, when, watch on this interview when this person's face changes. They're a lizard. So there are people who you are shopping with at Food Lion, and it could be your coworker that think lizard people are out there. They might think you're a lizard. That is delusional. That is a bad interpretation, and if that's you, stop it. But... Here's my point. Thousands and thousands of people were crucified under the Roman government. And Jesus was just another Jewish person to them. 
But the God who is Lord over history not only planned and predestined that Jesus will be crucified, but He tells us what it means. God in the Scriptures tells us the interpretation that we ought to have when it comes to uh, the facts. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing when he stands up and preaches at Antioch. He's saying, let me tell you about Jesus who, who you crucified, who the Jews crucified. Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you the interpretation. And he says that Jesus suffered under Pilate. That leads us to, our, to the next thing, which is the passion of the Christ. The passion of Christ. The word passion refers to the sufferings of Jesus. Look at it in uh, Acts uh, 13, verse 27. Since the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, did not recognize Him, or the sayings of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled their words. They fulfilled the words of the prophets by condemning Him. So, all the Jewish leadership in Jerusalem fulfilled the prophecies about Jesus by condemning him. And notice the words here. People did the things to Jesus that were written to him about the prophets. So Paul is saying, God has already given us the interpretation of the events. Jesus dying on the cross. The prophets were saying long ago, hey, this is going to happen, and let me tell you what this means. And Paul's further elaborating. He said, okay, this is, what, this is what they said long ago. Let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you what, is ha what happened uh, in the death of uh, Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was the culmination of all of His sufferings. Now, we looked at last week how Jesus became a man. How God became flesh and blood in Jesus Christ. And He came to suffer that God, think about this, God Himself suffered in Christ. And He suffered in so many ways. Let me mention a couple ways that He suffered. He suffered like us. He suffered like we do. Hebrews 2.14 Now since the children have flesh and blood, that's talking about us, we have flesh and blood in common. Jesus also shared in these. Look at that. Jesus became human flesh and blood. Jesus shared in these so that through His death, He died. Like we do. He, so that He might destroy the one holding the power of death. That is the devil. What is this passage saying about Jesus? What is it saying to us about Him? It's saying that He had flesh and blood just like you. So He suffered. Jesus had a real body. Think about this. This is, this is the biggest issue of our, of our times is the fact that uh, uh, what is a human being? Jesus came, became a human being. God became flesh and blood. He ate, slept, drank. He knew what it was like to be hungry and thirsty. He knew what it was like to bleed. Let's think about that. Jesus had blood. He knew what it was like to bleed. He knew what it was like to be tempted to do wrong in all kinds of ways. He knew what it was like to have family problems. His family thought he was crazy. He knew what it was like to be misunderstood. He knew what it was like to have friends who let him down. He knew what it was like to be opposed and persecuted. He knew what it was like to lose a friend to death. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to have the government to tell him to stop talking about things. 
He knew what it was like to be the victim of injustice. He knew what it was like to die. He suffered like us. He also suffered with us. Jesus came to suffer with us. Look at Hebrews 2.18. For since He Himself has suffered when He was tempted, He is able to help those who are tempted. See that? God became flesh and blood to suffer with you. And He's able to help you. He's able to help all of us in the midst of our, of our sufferings. What is it that you struggle with when you suffer? What are you tempted with when you suffer? A lot of people wonder, where is God? I'm praying. I'm asking God to do this and do that. It doesn't seem like uh, He's answering my prayer. People reject Jesus. They reject Christianity because they think that God must not be good or must not be able to do anything about the suffering uh, in the world. I, I was talking with a young lady this week, and this was her big hang-up. You know, how can this be true when there's, you know, I've been through all this uh, in my life, right? We always got to consider the alternative, don't we? What if it's not true? What if Christianity is not true? What do we have then? What, what does your suffering and, and your pain mean if, if none of this is true? Here's what it means. It's all meaningless. And, and we're ultimately lonely in this universe, in this small little dot, in this uh, this, this, this galaxy and this universe of ours, and there is no hope. How does God answer these things? Well, He doesn't just give you a rational argument like I gave you. He has lots of those. But what does He do? He comes to suffer with us. That's His answer. His answer is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus comes to sit down with us in our pain, in our misery, in our confusion. Last week, we looked at uh, the birth of Jesus and the angel Gabriel uh, gives Jesus this title, Emmanuel. And what does that title mean? God with us. And that, that's Matthew's whole gospel right there. The whole uh, biography about Jesus. The beginning says, at His birth, Jesus is God with us. And what does Jesus say when He commissions His disciples to go out into the world and preach the gospel before He ascends into heaven? He says, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Look at this, uh, Matt, uh, Isaiah 52, verse 3, 2 and 3. From the message translation. This is a prophecy about Jesus 700 years before He came. He was looked down on. Jesus was. Jesus was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered. Look at that. Who knew pain firsthand. That's Jesus. He came to suffer with us. And listen, uh, God uh, uh, has done something to put an end to all of our suffering. Whatever it may be. Right? He doesn't just come to sit with us and, and to sympathize with us. He has done something about it to put an end to it once for all. You see, Jesus suffered for us. He suffered like us, with us, for us. Look at uh, Hebrews 2.9. We do see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for a short time. Look at this. So that by God's grace, He might taste death for everyone. Look at those words. That Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for everyone. See, death is the greatest suffering. Death hurts the most. 
And we all, we all suffer with this. We, we're surrounded uh, by it. People we love die. We're all going to die. Right? This is the curse of sin. We were created for life. God created us for life, but we have all turned away from Him. Turned away from the source of life. Become disconnected from Him and uh, the result is, is death. Because we're, we're all sinners. We all face the judgment we rightly deserve for our sins. But here's the good news. Right? That by God's grace, Jesus tasted that for you. Do you see that? Jesus tasted your death um, at the cross. Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate and died the death you deserve. It's like Jesus is a professional bodyguard. Have you guys ever seen a professional bodyguard? It's like you, you know this person is employed to protect somebody else. They are there to shield that person and make sure that no harm uh, comes to them uh, whatsoever. Jesus' death, Jesus' suffering shields us from the curse of death uh, by dying Himself. And look at how Paul talks about this in Acts 13, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Jewish people, children of Abraham's race, and those among you who fear God, it is to us that the word of salvation has been sent. You see that? The suffering and crucifixion of Jesus under Pontius Pilate is a word of salvation. See, Jesus suffered and died to save us. He died to save us from the suffering we cause ourselves. You guys ever bring pain into your own life? This is, this is sin, right? This is the result of foolishness and disobedience uh, uh, to God and just, um, just doing what He says uh, not to do. Loving other things more than Him. We, we dump buckets of fuel on the, the fire of our own suffering. And this is why Jesus suffered. He died to forgive us of all that and deliver us from it. Jesus saves us ultimately from the suffering and pain of this world. Because just living life in this world, we experience all kinds of difficulty and all kinds of trials, all kinds of misery. And here's how He does it. He's coming back to put an end to it. This morning I got up and I uh, was just reading my Bible this morning, just trying to get ready uh, for this morning. And I just had the, this one little thought of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive. You know what that means? He has overcome this world. He has overcome all of our greatest problems, all of our greatest enemies, and He's going to return again one day, and He's going to set everything straight. That'll change your day, by the way, if you believe that. If He has overcome our greatest problems, sin, death, hell, the devil, that means there's hope in the midst of our suffering right now. I want to ask you, what is your pain right now? What is your pain? Whatever it is, Jesus knows about it and He's able to help you. That's what, the, that's what, we've, been, that's what we've been looking at. right? God comes to be with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But here, here, here's how He works. His primary purpose is not simply to change your circumstance. All right, that's what we want a lot of times. God, stop the pain. God, hear my prayer. Change this situation. His primary purpose is not necessarily that, but it's you. It's your heart and your life. There's a guy named David Pallison. He, um, he uh, was a psychiatrist, um, educated uh, in psychiatry, had a PhD, was converted to Christianity, 
and uh, was one of the leaders in the uh, biblical counseling movement, passed away a couple years ago, and uh, he offers uh, some truth for the times when we're suffering. He says, God acts first to strengthen suffers internally. So when we're going through things, when we're going through suffering, difficulty, God is trying to get down into our hearts to change us from the inside out. He goes on in the context of suffering, uh, in the context of suffering that God strengthens hearts in many ways. You guys want to hear the ways? All right, here we go. Number one, the love of God pours out directly into the hearts of the afflicted personally who rely on Him and hope. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 3-5. through five. This is what God is doing. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Number two, God becomes directly known or seen in ways previously unimaginable. Job 42, uh, verse 5. I think Job knew God differently uh, after uh, his suffering. Number three, our foolishness is revealed so that we might receive growing wisdom directly from God. It's James chapter 1, verse 2-5. through five. This is what God is doing. Number four, we are remade, remade into the image of Jesus and established in the love of God. Romans 8, 29. Number five, we learn to trust and obey Jesus who walked the path of unjust suffering ahead of us and now walks it with us. And all those passages from Hebrews we've been looking at. Number six, our self-centered cravings are revealed and our faith is purified and simplified. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 15. And if you want that list, I'll put it up on, we'll put it up on Facebook uh, this, this coming week and you can just copy it. And this is why it's so important to know the Scriptures when you're going through difficult times to, to know, okay, th- this is what God is doing in the midst of my troubles right now. This is what He's doing in my life, and this is how I ought to interpret all the events uh, that are going on. You notice that list right there didn't say God's going to change my circumstances. It's all about what He's doing in our life. He, sometimes He does change our circumstances. Now, let me just add this. Here at this church, you don't have to walk alone. If, if you want to walk alone, you can, but you shouldn't. The Bible says that's actually disobedience. No, you're supposed to lean into your brothers and sisters. You're supposed to lean into the church. Here, listen. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. I had someone call me up this week. Ricky, this is what's going on. Pray for us. That's what you got to do. You got to call somebody. I need prayer for what's going on, you know. And, and don't isolate yourself. Suffering as a Christian is designed to make you a better person. This is God's purpose in the midst of all of our troubles. This is what He's doing. He is at work trying to make you a better person and deliver you from bitterness, emptiness, and despair. This is what He's doing. Lastly, the death of Christ. Acts chapter 13, verse 29. When they had carried out all that had been written about Him, they took Him down from the tree and put Him in a tomb. Jesus was crucified, nailed to a cross, dead and buried. Uh, My girls, uh, they went out of town a couple weeks ago and uh, I made my own dinner and uh, I was uh, searing a pork roast. You guys would be very proud of me. I was searing a pork roast. I was reading the directions and it said, pour off the fat. All right? And I seriously debated that. 
because I like the fat. Right? The fat tastes good, so I poured off just, just a little bit of it, just a wee bit of it. Right? But that's what, this is what we try to do uh, in, in modern culture with Christianity. We try to pour off the fat. We try to, we try to pour, pour off uh, the, the parts that make Christianity uh, what it really is. We try to make Christianity flavorless and nice. This is what we got in our world. We got a lot of nice guy Christianity, uh, and, and it's just completely flavorless. Some people think that, that God is the big man upstairs. Right? God is just a nice guy up there, and he's just got positive affirmations for us right where we're at and doesn't demand uh, much from us. Other people think that God is like a butler. He's up there to give you whatever you want and meet your demands. But the cross was nasty. It was way more nasty than you could ever imagine. It was one of the most cruel forms of punishment and suffering that you could ever imagine. You have to think the equivalent electric, electric chair. You have to think of the lynching of black people. This is the equivalent. It was a public spectacle. It was meant to shame the individual. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, hung naked on a bloody tree. Blood dripped out of Him, gasping for breath. You know, that's how you died in crucifixion. You died via suffocation. Because you had to, you had to bear your own weight. Jesus Christ suffering. Under, under His own weight on the cross. It was nasty. It was not nice. What happened there though? What happened in that moment? Well, let me tell you, a whole lot happened. I, I'm going I'm to share a couple things. The death of Christ was the propitiation for all of our sins. And I'm going to explain that. Propitiation means the extinguishing. Extinguishing. God put out the fire of His personal wrath against you by blotting out all of your sins. That's what happened at that bloody tree. Look at it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In this is love. Love is not love. Here's love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see that? You want to know the love of God? It is the God-man on the bloody tree suffocating and bearing all the judgment for your sins. All the hot fierce wrath of God that was meant for us, rightly so. I mean, the cross is a mirror of our hearts. What happens when God becomes flesh? We unleash all of our murder on Him. That is your heart. That is our heart. But at the cross, God paid the price and put out the fire of His anger towards us. It is the supreme act of God's love. This is God's love, the cross. The death of Christ on the cross was our reconciliation with God. It is where the bloody tree is where God made peace with you. The cross alone is how you can be friends with God. It and no other place. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For while we were enemies. You see that? This is us without Jesus. Us without the cross. We are natural born enemies of God. 
but we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Listen, at the cross, God extinguished. He put out the beef. He made everything right between you and him. You don't have to worry about his anger. We're friends with God now through Jesus, if you believe in him, if you believe in Jesus. The cross, the death of Christ is our redemption. It is only by the cross that we can be rescued from the slavery and the misery of all of our sins. Man, how, how thankful are you for that this morning? I don't know about you. I am thankful to be free of all of my sin. To be delivered out of the darkness and the pit. To be able to say no to it and yes to Jesus and yes to obedience and to do what the Word of God says. This is Jesus' own words. Mark 10, verse 45. Jesus, even the Son of Man, this is Jesus talking about Himself, did not come to be served. Why did He come? To serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. What is a ransom? What is it when someone is, needs a, to pay a ransom? They get kidnapped. There's a ransom. It's the money that is paid. It's the price that is paid for freedom. The cross was the price that was paid for your freedom. He died so that you could be free. Last, the death of Christ is the victory of God over all every hostile demonic power that imprisoned you. You need to know that before Jesus, before you came to know Him, you were in prison to demons. Scripture's clear about this. Those demons still want you. They want you to live in sin and to displease God, but the death of Christ is the victory over all of that. It's Colossians chapter 2. This is amazing. Verse 14 through 15. God erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. See, our sin have piled up a debt sky high. Right on the cross, God says paid in full. Jesus' death is your sins canceled, paid in full, debt free. But more than the go, he goes on. God disarmed. The, this is the demons, the rulers and authorities, and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. That is so, that is so amazing. I, I love it. God ran up the score on them. Right? He, he, didn't, he didn't just put in a second, uh, second team, uh, the second team and, and the JV or anything like that. He put, in, he put in the best, put in the star player, Jesus, and just ran up the score, just wiped the floor with every demonic power. Right? There's victory in Christ. See, the cross of Jesus is like a blacksmith forge. Right? You guys you got seen those? when they, they got the coals up there, and they, got, and they got the air blowing in, and they got the fire just bla blazing hot. It is hot and melts our sinful hearts of stone. That's what it does. When you come to realize what God has done for you, all right, the, 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 the forge of the cross makes you as a person malleable, bendable according to God's uh, purposes. There's a guy named uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor uh, during the rise of, of the Nazis and, and Hitler. And he saw how 
the Nazis took over the church, right? And he stood up against all of it, right? Was, was courageous, was, was unashamed and said, y'all ain't the real church because you have become corrupt and you're worshiping Hitler as Lord. We're over here. We're the confessing church now. We're going to worship Jesus as Lord. This is what he says. Dietrich Bonhoeffer here. Do we have this? When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. That's what it is. That's the Christian life. Right? See, the forge of the cross. The blacksmith forge of the cross means it's not about you anymore. The Apostle Paul learned, learned this lesson. He, he was raging against Christ. He was, he was a man who thought he could save himself by his good works, by his, uh, his, his personal righteousness, by tra- trying to obey all the commandments and, and all the law. He hated Jesus, hated the, uh, hated the church, was given his uh, consent to the murder of Christians until he met the resurrected Christ. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live now, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, when he met the resurrected Jesus, he realized that he was a sinner and that he was in need of grace. Right? He got up on that cross with Christ. This is is true of every believer. Every believer... Every true believer is united with the death of Jesus. You have been crucified with Christ. That means everything, your life before is what put Jesus on the cross. And that life has to be crucified. Paul is saying is that dying with Christ is living. Christ crawls a man. He calls him to bid and die. It means death to all of our pride. Death to all of our self-centered. Death to a life lived for self. I want you to think about this question. Where is it in your life you need to get up on that cross? Where is it in your life you need to say, I am crucified with Christ. This is not my life. It is Jesus' life. I have been united with Jesus on the cross. I went down in the grave with Him. I am resurrected with Him as a new person. And listen to this. The Jesus who died for you lives in you. Did you think about that this week? Think about it today. Think about it right now. Because it's true. The Christ who bled on the cross lives with inside you. That is a white hot heat right there. Think about that. The Christ who was resurrected from the dead has sent His Spirit to come to live within you. If we want to be shaped by the blacksmith, we've got to stay close to the forge. We've got to keep believing in Him. Right, we got to keep trusting. This is what Paul said. The life I live now, not about me. I live it by faith in the Son of God. Right? You know what? He loves you. That's what this passage said. That He loves you. And He's the one who gave Himself for you at the cross. What amazing good news. Let me just end with this. He's alive. He's alive from the dead. This is our hope. Right? We believe in Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. And we want to respond to this Jesus now.